Hello and welcome to Quadrivia, the podcast that takes you a step beyond trivia and into the minds of the people who craft it. I'm Corey with Third Degree Entertainment in Northern Idaho and Eastern Washington. I'm Calvin with Footnote Trivia in San Francisco. I'm Tipster, landlord and host at the Pinnacle Larder somewhere out in the Antarctic Ocean. And I'm Oliver, uh, host of Speakeasy Trivia in San Francisco. And welcome to the episode. Uh, Oliver, it's been a minute since we've had you here, isn't it? <laughs> it's been quite a while. Um, how's everyone doing? Well, we're here. Yep, uh, yep, we're here. We're floating <laughs> above water. Well, especially you. That's important. Yeah, exactly. The, the say, iceberg is still afloat. It is. It's, it's getting yeah, pretty it's cold, but probably not as cold as your little iceberg. Has your iceberg been affected by global warming at all? Uh, I hope not. I hope you not. Hope not. You, ha- you, you don't know. Well, it How? would explain why the waves have got bigger recently. It would. And why your house has gotten smaller. Okay, right. Corey, global warming doesn't make wood shrink. Just so you know. The, the, mean, bar, is not, the bar is not made of ice. Okay, we have electronic equipment in there. That would be a health hazard. So your house is made of wood. I thought you were living in a fucking igloo, dude. No. Have no, you seen why his, would I? There's a bar. Have you, have you seen my setup? I have screens. Okay, yeah. if if the ice was to melt, it would drip on the electronics, and it was caught would cause problems. Okay. Have you never seen that that ice hotel up in like Alaska or northern Canada or whatever that's like all made out of ice and it's got a bar and TVs and shit? Or in watch it? Die oh, Another yeah. Day. Yeah, there you go. And that was filmed in I think in a real hotel. I don't remember if it was die another day, but but anyway, uh, yeah, no, it's it's real. Do do I do I look like I have that kind of kind of money, Corey? Just saying. Well, I mean, the accent suggests that you do. Oh. <laughs> you, oh. You, you sound rich. You, are. you sound I, rich. I, I sound. That's good to know. I mean, that's half the battle, right? If there's one the thing I've is... learned from American media, it's that people with an accent are exotic and rich and uh, kind of weird looking, like tall faces. <laughs> and British people are always the villains. <laughs> well, that too. Yeah. I'll, I'll know. Yeah. I feel like it's like a specific type of British person. Yeah. 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 Well, like Mark the muggles. How are we into Harry Potter already? All right, I think we can all agree that Harry Potter is generally interesting on its own. But uh, since finding out that J.K. Rowling is a bit of a uh, shitty person, it gets even more interesting because it it brings up questions like, oh, you know, how do I want to support this show, this movie, these books that were a huge part of my childhood without also rewarding shitty behavior? So, so there's all kinds of interesting thoughts going on there, and uh, we're not going to address any of those because instead we're going to talk about how to make questions more interesting. Fucking A-plus transition. You're welcome. It's a classic Corey episode, everybody. <laughs> Speaking of so, muggles, how do you make your questions more interesting? So I think first... <laughs> You have to start off by saying what what makes 
a question interesting in the first place? Like, is it how it's approached? Is it how you phrase it? Is it the content of the question itself? It is, you know, there's there's a lot of ways to attack this, right? Yeah, and I think it varies from host to host. And I feel like internally we have all subconsciously decided what interesting means to each of ourselves, but it's one of those things that we don't really articulate out loud. It's just something that, you know, that kind of sixth sense of whatever's interesting. And hopefully today we can articulate at least some of it and focus on if you are considering writing trivia questions yourself, kind of what we do to differentiate our questions from other people's to inject um, basically uh, what we think is valuable into trivia. You know, I think I, I definitely think you guys brought up a really maybe unintentionally, but an incredibly uh, important point there in that I I cannot tell you how many rounds or how many questions I have written thinking, oh, this is so interesting. It's going to be so much fun. It's going to go over so well. And then it's fucking horrible. It falls so flat. Nobody gets it right. Nobody is walking away from that round going, oh, yeah, no, I learned something. Um, and so not only uh, how do we define an interesting question or, or what is an interesting question, but how much of that depends on the crowd. Yeah, and I think the, the audience is kind of your your biggest starting point here, really. What kind of audience do you have? Because um, I'd say, for instance, the kind of audience that I get on Twitch at the Pinnacle Larder is very different from what you'd get in a venue on a Friday night. Um, and um, I believe one of our previous panellists... Uh, does a quiz in a wine bar, which is very different from your standard run-of-the-mill pub on the road. And I'm, it's, it's you know, what, what does your your audience find interesting? That's kind of the first port of call, really, is what what interests that demographic you're aiming for, um, and and what what kind of things do you try and avoid because they're honestly boring to those people is it a little bit of a chicken and the egg though because you know i've you you kind of cultivate a crowd um based on your voice and you know the, the crowd that you get and the people that come subsequently they tell their friends about it like the trivia that you're asking right so mm-hmm. um yes there's a little of course of course there's catering to the demographic, um, your general demographic. But beyond that, as a trivia writer, we all have our own voices and the questions, how we formulate questions, the the subjects that we talk about, um, or even the way we talk about really in-depth subjects to help our, our, our trivia goers get those answers. You know what I mean? So I think maybe a little bit of a chicken and the egg situation where where they're coming because of how we ask, not so much, maybe a little different than um, Twitch, but I'm not necessarily catering my style currently to who's coming. It's they're coming because they like my style. Yeah, I, I actually love that you said that. Um, and I, I think it, it actually 
expands even farther beyond just them coming because of how you ask as opposed to you asking based on uh, who's there. But it, going back to mentioning uh, a, a host that hosts in a wine bar, I hosted for four years in a wine bar and I would still ask, and this is a wine bar in a brand new, recently gentrified neighborhood uh, in my town. A lot of young professionals, a lot of money, uh, hoity-toity people, let's say. But I would still be asking questions about butts and Pornhub and whatnot. Uh, <laughs> it, it was... I brought the crowd in that I wanted to have there. And it was not the typical wine bar crowd. I mean, they were still, well, they weren't getting shit-faced and like puking off the balcony or being inappropriate. But it was people with a sense of humor that weren't coming in there, sticking their nose in the glass, swishing it around. They were grabbing, you know, a craft beer, maybe a nice uh, fun wine and having a good time. It was not the crowd that you would normally see in that place, but they came because that's who I was attracting. Uh, so the the chicken and egg thing is fucking spot on. So at the same time, we all, I feel like we all do things to get the crowd that we want and so on and so forth. But I kind of wanted to, like, I feel like we all don't ask questions like, what is the capital of China? Right. And like, I think regardless of what audience you want to attract, all of us be like, eh, that's not a really interesting question. And you could say either the subject yeah. matter isn't interesting, maybe people don't like China, or state capitals aren't interest people. But for whatever reason, just that kind of very terse statement in itself is not particularly interesting. And regardless of the audience, I'm curious to see like what kind of things do you as a writer do do to make your questions more interesting, regardless of your audience, right? It's kind of a more general concept of interest, not necessarily I'm asking this question because I'm in a wine bar, because my people like difficult questions and so, so forth. I think questions can still exist as interesting regardless of, or outside of the presentation to an audience, right? Like if it, it solely exists on paper, mm -hmm. there's still more interesting questions and less interesting questions. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess I will just answer your question. Uh, for me, originally, I actually started off writing pretty shitty questions. Um, it, it was a lot of what is the capital of China type stuff. And uh, I would make it interesting in spite of those questions because I would look for an interesting way to tie them together. I would do interesting or fun rounds and themes um or if i could interject what did you not like about those questions that you wrote what made you want to change well i think that just came from experience you know the i'm going into my sixth year of doing this i think now and it's really only been over the last year and a half or so that i've uh kind of realized how boring some of my questions were and have uh, decided that it's time to spice them up. And it was, it was about personal growth. It was about wanting to, uh, really kind of shine above and beyond the competition in the area and say, 
look, I'm writing better questions and doing better trivia. Um, yeah, for and, me, it was personal and, growth. And when you say spice things up, like, what can you give an example of what you mean by that? Because I think that's kind of um, what we're trying to get at here um, in this episode is what is that spice? Oh, there's so many, so many different ways. Um, I guess in general, it was more about what not to do than what to do. Um, I just, I got tired of saying, what is the this of that? What is the capital of place? Who is the ruler of place? When did this happen? I, I just didn't want that anymore. And so I was willing to try anything to change it up. Um, but I think probably the one that has been most successful and most interesting is just turning the question into more of a narrative, uh, providing more information in the question, having more to say, giving them more to work with. Yeah, uh, that definitely makes sense. And I think, Calvin, we, we've talked about this before, but I think this would be a good place to kind of um, talk about that level one, two, three type question. I think that would be a good example <laughs> of of what we've talked about and what Corey means by this, adding flavor and um, texture to the question via information and making it more interesting as well as giving an in. Yeah, Oliver, um, I think I, I kind of floated this idea of like levels. I think you guys have called it textures and layers and so on and so forth. But it's just seeing so many various like kind of top 10 lists online where it is just that very basic like Corey said, what is the blah, blah. And he actually, Corey, you nailed it completely. You want to add kind of a narrative to it, right? You want to give a little cadence and a little rhythm to the question to make it give the audience a context as to why they're being asked the question at all. And I kind of articulated this idea of like adding levels to it. So like my, my rough, rough example is just like the most basic level is just what is the capital of uh, North Dakota? Right. And some people will get it and some people won't get it. And you'll move on to the next one because cool. You just don't even know what happened. There. Yeah. But you're, then you're, you're rewarding memorization. Pretty much. Yeah. It's like, did you remember your thing from fifth grade geography class? <laughs> Assuming you grew up in the United States. Sorry, tipster. You don't really stand. Yeah, a chance I don't that count in this one. Whatsoever. We don't we don't have North North Dakota in the Antarctic. All right. So afraid. let Calvin go to a level two i believe is your yeah so the and, next and level i was going for is uh what is the capital of north dakota uh which was named which is uh, which shares its name with a german chancellor Ooh, i hope he was a chancellor yes he was a chancellor yeah with a german chancellor so tipster um uh, being <laughs> not <laughs> raised in the united states with uh american geography did that help you at all like German chancellors exist in the Antarctic either. <laughs> I, I mean, they, they don't, but it definitely gives me more of a, an idea. I have like a, a a set of answers that I'm working with then, and I'm trying to whittle it down as to what German chancellors could possibly be the capital of North Dakota. And there's one big one that's screaming in my head that it definitely isn't. Um, I don't think he was a chancellor. I, I, I know he was a chancellor, but it's not him. 
It's definitely not them. It's yeah. definitely not them. And I, 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 yeah, it's, it's interesting that you can turn around and give people a kind of a subs. It's almost like giving people a multiple choice without giving them multiple, uh, multiple yeah. choice at that point, right? Yeah. Calvin, I, I have a, a, an idea here. Can I, you said that would be like a level two yeah. question for you. Can I try what I think maybe would be like a level three? Hit me with it. Okay. Uh, and, and I'll just build off what you've already got. Um, wait, what is the... Oh God, tell me, yeah. read your, your level two again. Uh, what is the capital of North Dakota, which shares its name with a German chancellor? Okay. Uh, sharing its name with a German counselor... Counselor. Counselor. <laughs> Sharing its name with a German chancellor who uh, feels like he's just a friend. What is the capital of North Dakota? <laughs> that's that's uh, that's one way. Would, to, would that to... be would that be like a level three? Am I am I'll, I'll on the give, right track? I'll give you like there? a two and a half. I'll, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. One. Yeah, exactly. Then, like that's that's humorous, right? Or was just a friend in the early two yeah. thousands, late nineties. <laughs> <laughs> And then Calvin, I, why don't you give your well, level three I, that I you actually have really liked? I really like Corey's full confession. <laughs> so like, but what I was getting at is like, okay, so it shares his name with the German Chancellor, and then I feel like everyone's follow up question in the back of the mind is like, but but why? So level three, you just kind of complete the story, and you're like, uh, what's the capital of North Dakota? Which was wait after after that did I want to see if Tipster got it? Oh yeah, which was uh, named in. The 1800s, after the then German chancellor, to attract German immigrants to the state. So I think it was 1870 something when okay. it was named. Right. So it's not the one that I was thinking of. That's it's not Charlemagne. <laughs> no, it definitely isn't. Uh, it's 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 is it is it Bismarck? There. It is. Yeah. Okay. Bis, right. That's, I like we... to call him Bismarcky Mark. With his mustache oh! and his big oh! shirt. Oh. Oh, that's okay. Just a Biz friend. Marky Mark. Yeah. I I am now I am now getting I I'm now picking up what Corey was putting down. That's okay. Yeah. That's smart. I like Say that. He I'm, just a friend. I'm gonna write that down for a future before and after. Yeah. Otto <laughs> Van Bismarcky Mark. Exactly. That's a good so one. Like, on this okay, stake, you that's, know, like that's a before and after and after. Holy shit. Yeah, but. The most important part, just adding layers. You chose to go with a like a cookie dough layer with like little chocolate sprinkles on it, and like I went with like a more like traditional one, but they're layers yeah. nonetheless. So it's yeah, it's just really taking trivia from rote memorization towards kind of rewarding people who can put two and two together, right? And uh, mm. I had friends who don't play trivia and they're like oh i don't like trivia i don't know facts and you're like come on like that's a pretty low bar to clear if that's all the trivia you've been attending but that's the kind of stuff that you see online and this and by online i don't mean from hosts who write questions on their time i mean online like pdfs of thousands of questions i think that's the the, the level one two three i think most um, clearly for me differentiates that question that has come up several times on this podcast is like, 
how are your questions different than the ones um, in trivia books and you know you can look up on the internet and it's always been hard to explain like oh we don't ask just what's the blank of blank um we add texture and color to it but the 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 level one two and three uh i think really clearly defines and especially with tipster here being um from the uk originally now in antarctica um starting off not having no clue whatsoever because it's a subject matter that you know wasn't covered um, to being able to answer the question or at least formulate uh, two to three reasonable guesses. That, that is, I think, the answer to how our trivia is different. Yeah, so kind of picking up on something there, the, the idea that I don't do trivia because I don't know facts. My personal kind of tick box that... I have when I'm looking for like a good and interesting question because we're kind of lumping these into one um, is that it's got to be something that you feel like you had a chance at right um, it's got to be something that you know if you it, you you give enough information that you know given enough time you could probably whittle it down to four or five possibilities without knowing the answer um and uh, the exa example we gave just there is kind of a, a perfect example of that. It's like, okay, right, so I'm looking for German chancellors around the 1800s uh, that sound like they could be a capital of a place. Yeah. Um, and I just, I agree completely. And I just wanted to tie this even more back into Corey's concept of a narrative, which is what I'm realizing is actually a really good way of describing this, is... Um, you tell a narrative, but the narrative has to be logical. Like if you tell a story, the story has to make sense somehow. So having yeah. clues contained within the narrative of asking a question, like naturally leads people to being like, oh, that makes sense. And when you get from, oh, that makes sense, then you kind of have a shot at answering the question because you can follow the reasoning as to why it happened. And then you could kind of fill in how the story goes in a somewhat logical manner. Right. Well, it's, like, it's even a case of if they don't get it, they have that aha moment afterwards where um, they that now that the answer's in front of them, they can follow those steps and it all makes sense. Yeah. Um, the, whereas if if you have just kind of this disjointed clue, it, it doesn't really work that well. Yeah, without um, context, it's just in one ear out the other. You might have remembered, you might have been told the answer of what the capital of North Dakota is, but you're not going to remember anything about it. Mm. And if if they ask 50 of these, what is the blah questions, they all just kind of whoo, blend together into facts and facts and facts. So one thing I kind of want to bring up at this point is, um, and we're probably going to talk about this on a later episode at some point, because there are huge differences between pub trivia in the US, the UK, across the world. Lithuanian quiz questions. <laughs> Lithuanian quiz questions do that perfectly. They do that thing of taking one thing and another thing and drawing this narrative between them so you can logic out the answer. Um, and I think that's where kind of a lot of a lot of people are kind of heading towards in terms of writing interesting trivia because that aha moment you have when you get it or when the answer's told to you is 
a feeling that we're trying to capture, really. Uh, that That is the most hipster trivia-related sentence I've ever heard. I subscribe to the uh, Lithuanian school of trivia writing. <laughs> <laughs> you no. might have you might have never heard of it. Exactly. Oh, uh, no. No, it, <laughs> it's this new kind of radical the, style that really the, tears the down un- the foundations of the old. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I am fairly new to the trivia writing circuit, to be fair. Um, uh, you know, in comparison, I've been here, what, seven, eight months, possibly nine by this point. Um, so, um, but I have kind of had that experience in different spaces. Um, and it's something that definitely stood out to me, um, from, from that kind of vector. Um, I have a follow up for you, Tipster, since you're pretty new. Um, Corey mentioned that he kind of started off with the kind of basic stuff and then felt pressured and either through personally or. Yeah, personally, to kind of like develop on that. Are did you feel the same way? Did you kind of start off knowing what kind of questions you want to write? Are so you... i I think there is still a place for kind of simple, short, snappy questions. Um, there is a place for them in the trivia space. I don't think that they should be the bread and butter of your content, though. Um. Uh, and a lot of kind of a lot of where I come from is is uh, TV and radio panel shows um, and game shows and things like that. So um, a lot of my inspiration is drawn from there in terms of the way that I, I write things and present things. Um, so it's it's not so much for me. It's it's not so much simple questions are bad it's just that simple questions shouldn't be the focus for your content because they're honestly boring (laughs) um like anybody can ask and answer simple questions you need something to you know stand out from the crowd and uh, some people do that through different formats some people do that through the way they ask questions um i do a i try to do a bit of both um whether there's been pressure to do it, I don't. I haven't felt pressure because I don't. I didn't really start off doing it much. Um, like I, I always had a gimmick or a mechanic going um, that made things interesting. Um, I never had like a forty-question game that was just what is the capital of uh, Northern Ireland or what whatever um uh so that pressure hasn't been there and i've always been one to um try and reward not just knowing stuff but also um having a you know a good educated guess having that that logic that goes with it as well and the style of quiz questions that we've been talking about definitely feeds into that Right, that brings a good point. Like, what are we, what, in crafting our questions, what are we trying to reward? Um, are we award, uh, rewarding those who just are really good at memorizing long facts? I mean, that's what the kind of level one basic quiz question, that's what that's rewarding, right? It's just 
what's this? This. Just Pavlovian answers so much. Uh, or are we are we re rewarding uh, critical thinking um, and logical reasoning? Or is it just you want to make them laugh? They're here to have fun. Um, what, what do you guys um, look to do? What's your aim in writing questions? So I... I want to kind of reward, like, there's nothing wrong with rewarding someone for being able to regurgitate answers. Um, but at the same time, I don't, f and you shouldn't really disadvantage people for being able to do that. But at the same time, you want to, as I was saying earlier, you want to be able to give people a solid chance um, going into a question, um, I feel, because if you ask something that isn't, doesn't feel gettable then um they're going to become disenfranchised is probably not the word i'm looking for but it's the closest one i can think of right now and disinterested in what you're asking or, like the question loses meaning if you don't have the punchline of the answer right if you're like yeah. who did something and the answer is someone you've never heard of you have no there's no there's no context. resolution to yeah your curiosity right it was a uh, question and you still don't know the context of the answer. Yeah, it's it's uh, I I hate questions that are either you know it or you don't in a very kind of fast and loose sense of the word. Um so I and yeah, it is about having fun because if you're not having fun, why are you here? You know? <laughs> Like, you're not, yeah. I mean, some people here just to show off how much they know, but they can all go. But, but they have what. fun doing it, though. That's the yeah. thing. Some people find fun in showing that they are good at something. Uh, yeah. And I think yeah. as a host, you're, more, you're most successful um, in finding that sweet spot in the Venn diagram that overlaps between knowledge um, as as chips were saying like figure outable and like fun that like sweet spot right in the middle where all three of those circles overlap that's and obviously you can't do that for every single question that would be both exhausting for you and and um and just impossible but that is like i think the sweetest spot in in asking a trivia question you know i i'd never really actually thought about this question um you know, what am I rewarding in trivia? And listening to, to y'all's answers and kind of reflecting on it myself, I think the best answer I can come up with is I just want to reward participation and showing up. Um, and while that sounds kind of wishy-washy at first, I, I want to stress that I see it as being separate from the people who are asking shit about German chancellors or counselors. <laughs> um, like I, I've never pretended that people who come play my trivia, no matter how well they do are, uh, just going to run off and like win 40 weeks in a row on Jeopardy and then be like, yeah, you know, it all started because I was really kicking ass at third degree trivia. Like, I, I don't go for the 
I, I don't know the right word. It's yeah, here. it's something that people just don't focus on, right? Like it's it's like I could I could I could just float a dumb idea. Like you clearly care about the questions because you don't ask what's one plus one, what's one plus two, and so yeah. on and so forth. So there is that gray area between uh, German chancellors and basic mathematics oh, for right? sure or and you like, know yeah. 10 questions about helium <laughs> actually i did use that oh my um, goodness why why did you do that but, to yourself no i did it to them oh <laughs> i did it to them for myself and enjoyed it and it, it actually didn't go as as uh horribly as some people would think okay we can talk about that in a, in a minute but um I think I, I'm not painting myself in a good light here, and I'm trying to figure out how to explain what I'm trying to say. I I, think, I, I absolutely do ask those um, more academic questions. I, I make sure they're included. I pepper them in, but I, I don't want it just to be that. I want idiots to come to my trivia <laughs> and still play and still have fun and have a chance of winning, which is why I always have an audio round, why I always have some pop culture references. I want the people who have felt disenfranchised at other trivias to show up and play. Who don't know the capital. That's what I want to reward. Yeah, people that don't know the capital of the fucking state they live in. (laughs) They're like, well, I I live in Post Falls, so that's what I'm going to write. Uh, and there goes that venue, but <laughs> oh. that's a, they don't know how to find podcasts. It's okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> no, I really oh. lost it. Shit. Oh. Let's, let's but. spin the wheel and see where it lands tonight, Corey. <laughs> right. Uh, but no, that's, that's to bring it back to the question. That's what I want to reward. I want to reward people just showing up and participating. I want them. I want to reward somebody saying, you know, I don't do trivia, so I, I don't play it because I don't do well at it. But then they do, and they have fun. That's what I'm going for. Yeah. Change people's perceptions about trivia in some ways. Yeah. Cool. yeah. And and I'd rather have a question where 95% of the teams get it right, but they spent close to the full time talking about it either like just amusedly because they got it quickly or just like parsing through the possible answers even if it's a 95 percent get rate the fact that they're talking about it versus um a question where 60 or even also 95 percent, but it's just one person saying oh yeah it's this you know what i mean like mm-hmm. a one person on their team it's uh you know like uh how many people have set foot on the moon like one person knows the answer they're a space nut and that's it there's no discussion right or or if nobody knows it's like well, do we say uh, 13 or uh, 5? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I know at least 2. <laughs> and, then, and then it's a crapshoot from there. Allegedly. Oh, oh God. <laughs> Zero. How come not be more correct? Oh, God, that would be terrible if yeah. uh, has, you had a team anybody... go zero and just go hard into the paint on fighting you on that. Yeah, I was okay, about to say, but, has anybody had that happen? Here is their argument. Well, it's not like they took off their boots. Oh, Only fuck. their boots were on the moon. Uh, 
Sounds like you're. Uh, please, please leave the bar. And never nobody has put a bare foot on the moon. But, so, like, I, I, I agree with everyone about rewarding things, about discussion, about critical thinking. And I just want to uh, follow up, Tipster, when you said that there's still a place for simple questions. I, yeah. I totally agree. I think, um, like, kind of like in writing, you change up the pacing, like you change up the sentence length to make a paragraph interesting. Same thing with trivia, right? You can't ask like really long, detailed questions the entire time. Sometimes it's a good change of pace. Just ask a short one. And when I ask a kind of a short, straightforward question, I'm always thinking, okay, like what am I trying to do with this? And most of the time it's like, I'm trying to get people to remember a fun thing that they haven't thought about in a long time. You know, I'm trying to get them to remember a lyric to a really popular song that they have to sing in their head to get to the answer. And uh, I want people to think of like a funny tabloid story that was big in the news like five years ago and then have like, oh, yeah, like you remember that Fabio got hit in the face by a goose, right? Like that kind of like reminiscing and that like, oh, that's that was it. Like that's so I do use kind of simple questions to guide that discussion into like just talking about the answer more than trying to figure out the answer itself. So. Yeah. So, so, sorry, my brain is trying to pass. Fabio got hit in the head with a goose. What? Oh, that must be an America thing. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This that is. Was, wasn't he on a roller coaster? Yeah, roller he was on a roller coaster. Yeah. And he got hit in the face by a goose. And uh, and he had a bloody nose, like goose, the bridge. Goose didn't make it. Yeah. It's a sad story. Oh. And his nose is so muscular. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, is this person known for having a muscular nose? Like, I... oh yeah. What does Fabio actually do? Is he an actor? I think he was just a model. Just a model. I mean, like he... he's done acting, but I'm pretty yeah. sure he was a, like a fashion model, like a stereotypical romance novel cover. That's what he was most fam- famous for. He was like uh... the romance cover model guy, like painted, but that was him. This is going to be a rabbit hole that I'm going to end up diving into after we finish recording here. Oh, I, I just um, posted a picture on Discord for you, buddy. Ooh. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> do, you re- do you recognize him? Look at that guy. I've seen that person, but I'm not sure like, where. Oh, I've, I've read that book. In your dreams, maybe? <laughs> I mean, who knows? Um, uh, yeah, no, I am aware of that. Fa- <laughs> now I'm just being bombarded with pictures of Fabio and... Um, <laughs> What's the point of... We're going to culture your little Antarctic island there, Tipster. Yeah. We're going to introduce you to all the important celebrities. Uh, yeah, the, the Corey just posted a, a picture of Fabio in a tank top. And it's so low cut. Like, what's the point of even... Why do you oh, yeah. even wear that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and now we're posting a picture of his bloody nose. So speaking of killing a bird with your face, how do you even <laughs> ask a question about like, like how do you even try and tease that? Um, well, gosh, with ends, you use different ends. The Fabio one might be a dead end regarding multiple ends, but yes, I'm gonna, you know, I, I'm going to submit. So, I'm going to submit Fabio into the keyword challenge. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> As not Oliver. <laughs> definitely not oliver fabio go I, I i think you could do a fabio one with ins you just make the ins uh, you make the answer fabio and you say you know what prolific uh romance cover model 
uh, is not a big fan of geese. Like, just <laughs> something stupid like that. Like you can you can provide things that that get them there. But let's talk about that in general about using uh, different ins, which is something that we talk about a lot on this show. Um, let's talk about using ins to make a question more interesting. So I can kind of float just setting the scene of what we're exactly referring to with arguably, I think, one of the more common examples, which I've seen before, which is basically which uh, African uh, seaport is the name in Spanish for the White House, right? You're, you're taking an African country and you're relating it entirely to a kind of a different concept. If you know Spanish, you'll know the answer. If you know North African seaports, you can probably figure out the answer too. So um, it's you're basically hedging your bets and allowing people who might, uh, teams who might not know all of one domain to possibly get the answer from knowing a little more about multiple domains. Okay, but let's go back to Fabio. <laughs> 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 We're still distracted by these pictures of Fabio in our chat. Let me let me uh, pose a question to y'all. Does an in inherently make a boring question more interesting? I I think it I think it can. I think it it has a a lot of the time it will. There are very rare occasions where I feel like it doesn't, and that's usually when the in that you're going for is in the same sort of wheelhouse i feel like if you try and cue a sports question with another sports in i feel like you're still kind of uh you're, you're still narrowing your field quite significantly like what alien race in star trek made a guest appearance in another episode of doctor who or you're like okay chances of someone watching specific sci-fi shows but not the other one yeah well, limited in its domain is is a klingon i i made it up i don't even know if there's oh. an answer <laughs> I, I mean i mean yeah even even if you went as far enough to say the alien race in star trek that did this that also appeared in doctor who that did this you're still limiting yourself yeah. to sci-fi as a genre even not even just tv but sci-fi exactly which is incredibly niche yeah, um, I think part of humor multiple ends is like almost like the dichotomy of the two things you can link, right? You want to yeah. like, you want to kind of link almost opposites to make it fun, right? Like, hey, these two really different things still have something in common. Isn't that wild? So a good example of this kind of thing is, um, and uh, I know I harp on about game shows a lot on here, but um, uh, highbrow lowbrow is a round that they do on Richard Osman's House of Games. Uh, where there is a highbrow style question that has the same answer as a lowbrow style oh, question. Interesting. Uh, There's one of the when you were talking about Calvin, or maybe it was a tipster combining two things that are just completely um, unrelated to each other. Because you know, like the Otto van Bismarck thing, you did the German Chancellor, you described, um, and I guess that's history to geography, which is two more academic subjects. But sometimes to spice things up, I think it's funny to do like pop culture and like like how Corey did it with yeah, the marquee. Is I really like uh, it. Right. Or like uh, one that I, <laughs> it just cracks me up. Uh, the one that I asked a while ago, it was, uh, and I was 
debating on how much clue to give. Remember, we were talking about this, um, but the one I ended with was um, a phrase from Henry Henry Wadsworth Longfellow's 1860 poem about Paul Revere gave us the title for what 1996 Sandra Bullock romantic comedy? Miss Congeniality. <laughs> Speed. <laughs> no. Um, two, two, two if I see? Two if I see. Oh yeah, but yeah, I mean, exactly. You're you're, and you're bringing in a demographic who might not know poetry, but at, at least makes them feel like they got a poetry question. And I guess Corey, you did a really similar thing, right? Like, I like your crowd. If you ask that Bismarck question, your crowd probably doesn't know capitals of North Dakota and or German chancellors, but they damn know. Say she's just yeah. a friend, and then you know they feel good about getting the answer and they feel like they got a geography question right like it it yeah it makes people feel good and it does bring that highbrow lowbrow concept that tipster was talking about yeah and to give you an example of the kind of thing that i'm talking about here um so uh part one of the question is born claudia atla taylor the first lady of the united states from 1963 to 1969 was better known by what nickname? And then the second portion uh, being, uh, I'm bad at pronunciation, so I'm going to butcher this. <laughs> Swars, S-A-O-I-R-S-E, Ronan, was nominated for oh, the Best Actress yeah. Oscar. Searcher. Searcher. Searcher Ronan was nominated for the Best Actress Oscar for her performance in what 2017 coming-of-age drama? And the answer to both yeah. those questions is exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Um, in so this you're a history nerd or you and watch? And that's uh, Tipper Gore. <laughs> he yeah. doesn't get the joke. He's, oh, he's, not he's, he's British, yes. Uh, yeah. That is, of course, Lady Bird. Johnson. There we go. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, history buff, uh, coming of age, Northern California girl story buff. Brings you all together. Fabio's buff. Fabio's buff indeed. I, I'm not arguing that Fabio isn't buff. <laughs> <laughs> Tipser, I think you got to write a Fabio question after this. Oh my a... goodness! I guess my first my first week back, my it's your round is going to be on Fabio, isn't it? Just one, <laughs> just right. one question, and and you'll you'll utilize all the different stuff that we've talked about to to create a craft a fascinating question. Ins not relating to male mo- romance novel models, um, you know, Go- the goose slayer, <laughs> the goose, the goose. Slayer. So yeah, that's that's kind of where I, where I go with multiple ins. Really, is I try 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 and cater to as wide an audience as possible. Um, uh, so even you know, like for instance, there we had politics, specifically U.S. politics, and recent films those two are quite distant on the spectrum of quiz questions um and that's that's kind of how i try and do my multiple ins uh, as a, as a general rule yeah oftentimes i do find myself i would i could easily see myself having come already combined those two questions you know also the name of the also the nickname of the first lady from the years you said what's the coming of age you know uh movie from starring Saoirse Ronan something like that like that is a very typical format in 
in a question uh, questions that I ask. Oh, the curious part of me, though, sometimes when I see that two things are named the same way, I, I always wonder, like, hey, I wonder if there's, like, a good story as to the origin of the name, right? Or, like, if there's a good explanation. So, like, sometimes you could take two really disjointed things, but adding back to Corey's narrative comment, like, going even crazier and being like, okay, there's two completely different things and there's this really weird way that they're connected and that's why they have the same name. That just brings in multiple ends with a good narrative and context of a thing. That's like my holy grail of multiple ends and it doesn't happen all the time. But yeah, you could just like keep on adding, you could keep on using everything we've talked about so far today and just like keep on um, assuming you'd don't write questions that are like 400 words long, but you know, you could find a way to word it to make a little more interesting like that too. I'm now racking my brains to think, have I written a question that's 400 words long? And <laughs> I, I think, I, think I, meant char- I, I meant to say characters and some uh, more words came out. Probably 400 characters. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Cause I, I, oh yeah. I'm pretty sure I've written some keyword challenges that are uh, <laughs> damn near 400 words. Oh my <laughs> oh, goodness! Yeah. Um, well, I wanna I wanna pose this question to you then, Calvin. Yeah. Uh, as I mentioned, when I first started hosting trivia, a lot of my questions were those very uh, boring level one questions, but I'd make them interesting uh, with the way I put them in a topic or or. Uh, you know, the the overall theme around those questions. Do you think there are subjects that are inherently more interesting? Things that, uh, you know, you can ask those boring questions in and not have any issues? Um, I don't, I don't know if I could completely get away with just asking, like, what is the blah? But in terms of, like, if we're saying what forms the basis of, like, things that I seek out for multiple ends or to tell a story around, yeah, like... um. I mean, tips that we talked like briefly, like, okay, like uh, recent movies, geography, right? We're combining different things. My MO as a host, like, I feel like multiple ends is such a great way to, and I'm being a little preachy here, to like teach people about things or expose things, expose people to things they might not have known prior. So if I combine one thing that they do know with something that they don't know and I think they should know, now they learn something while still getting the answer correct. And uh, I, um, I will give you an example of that later. But um, a, a loose example that I had was um, it's a little bit of a trick question, but I think it's also still a fair game. It's uh, I asked a question about Gallaudet University in Washington D.C., and um, I said that there was a there was a, a commercial for them featuring their football team, and their football team was kind of like peculiar for a particular reason and what was so important about Gallaudet University. And, you know, people were saying things like, oh, like they're the winningest team or, oh, they like, you know, like sports related things. And I don't know, Tipster, have you heard of Gallaudet University? It's in Uh, the United uh, States. In passing, not cute. Like I recognize the name. Yeah. I it doesn't mean anything to me. Neither does the word "winning" is to be fair, but yeah. you know, like, <laughs> like high bro, uh, yeah. low bro. 
No. But yeah, no, um, it's not ringing any particular bells. I, I actually have no idea. Yeah, or I, I'm i sure... I Did you give sure. a clue, though, besides, um, besides... I think I said, like, I think Gallaudet was the first bilingual school in the United States. Oh, I think I know. I, I think I know where you're going with this. Yeah, so Gallaudet was the first bilingual school in the United States. It taught in English and what other language? Basically. See, I think though. Yeah, that's not this... an in though. That was uh, that was just like a sub. Now we're just talking about subject matter for the most part. Right. Yeah, but I think part of this is also knowing your host. Oh. And I've yeah. played a lot of your games, and I know that you like to make people think about, or expose, teach, incorporate knowledge about um, subject matter that. Yeah, you know, outside of just the Western centric world that we live in. And, and I'll, so... I'll close off this by saying, like, at the very minimum, I think teams should like feel like, oh, I feel like I should kind of know that. And the next time they see Gallaudet University, they'll have the more context for what's important about it. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, Gallaudet University was the first uh, school for the deaf founded right oh. after the Civil War. So they taught in American Sign Language. I don't know the... Actually, do you know what sign language they would use not in the United States? Is there, there an international? There's it, it, it Australian. From, it's, it, yeah. it's regional. Yeah, it varies yeah, from country to country. Countries. There you go. So that I'm going to jot that down and be like, okay, maybe we could explore non-American sign languages. So, Might be hard for penguins because uh, they just have oh, yeah. two flappies. We've just got is, is it just, yeah. What's the flag... It's, Thing. It's basically semaphore, yeah. Yeah, semaphore. Um, it, it's pretty much semaphore. <laughs> yeah. Um, except, obviously, without flags, uh, just with flippers. Um, well, yeah, I mean, those are like built-in flags. Yeah, kind of, except they don't wave about in the wind as much. They more wave about manually. So, yeah, like I, that's me personally, though. You know, I don't expect every trivia host to do so. I don't think I'm necessarily better or that I write better questions using those subjects. It's just that... I, I think my takeaway that I want from this is like, oh yeah, like it's possible to write about subjects that you think people should know about while mm. still making it approachable and you still give them the joy of getting the question. That ASL example was horrible, but that's, um, that was, that it's what I intend. So I wish I had a better example for that one, but you could imagine something. So yeah, yeah that's I, my... I do want to jump in really quick. An interesting thing that I've heard, I've never actually looked this up to see if it's true, um, but I, I believe the uh, the rumor, the, the generally, uh, the, the story that's usually told is that Gallaudet University invented the huddle in football. Oh, because oh that they, would be if... Being yes. a deaf school, they were playing against other deaf schools. And oh. so those schools could read their sign language and the huddle allowed them to that's uh, not have I, their plays be seen. I At a minimum, that's a very cool urban myth. Yeah. Right. That's what I was an urban myth. Uh, I'm not sure if there's any any meat to that, but uh, an interesting huh. concept. Yeah, it's cute. I like it. You, you almost yeah. used it, Corey. You almost did. Uh-oh. What did I do? Oh, uh... Yeah, the uh, the the Jason um, meet on this bone quote that he says oh, about five times every episode that he's on. 
<laughs> I have not noticed that. Oh, yeah. No, actually, I'm pretty sure. As soon as you mentioned that, yeah. <laughs> That's what was missing from this episode. That's why it didn't really feel like a quadrivia episode until just now. Right, so is there any more meat on this bone before we uh, <laughs> head to the next topic? It's like Jason's um, right next to me. All right. Uh, hold on, let me think of a really terrible pun. And then, yeah. oh, then Jason will really be here in spirit. Love you, Jason. I can almost hear him telling you to fuck off. I can almost <laughs> hear him opening the cap on his rum and taking a swig. <laughs> that I can hear. That I can hear. Um, I... Think I don't know unless uh, tipster actually I do want your your input on this uh, especially I, I like to have a foreign perspective. <laughs> wow, you're I'm, you're I'm, exotic, tipster. I, I I'm the token <laughs> exotic person, am yeah. I? Okay. Well, um, okay. The reason I I mentioned that though, being that um, you are bringing in like an international aspect and especially mm. since as we've um made this transition online into twitch and stuff which wasn't something that a lot of us really had to worry about pre-covid we were yeah. playing to locals or you know random people stopping by but now um uh, do you have any any input on that like like subjects that that can be interesting to an international uh market just so, based solely on that subject so i i tend to find that um geography and geographical stuff tends to actually play better um pop culture doesn't tend to go down that well because that's kind of based on your locality um but uh, kind of a geographical kind of uh, tidbits um, of information um, tend to go down really well because it you haven't got the excuse that it's not in your country because the whole question is about it not being in your country um, for the most part. Sometimes I will ask a question about US geography or UK geography, um, but... Um, or even Australian geography, um, but the um, I, I tend to yeah, find. But don't that... they only have like two different things you have to remember? <laughs> I'm pretty sure the only places in Australia are like Western Australia and Melbourne. I thought it's <laughs> the Great Barrier Reef and Sydney Opera House. Those are the only two locations in Australia. Oh well, and <laughs> New Zealand. Yeah, forgot about that. Yeah, and wherever Steve Irwin so... moved. I think that was the Great Barrier Reef. That's where you find the stingrays. Mm. Well, Jesus. I, I mean, uh, all, all you need to remember about Australia is 42 Wallaby Way. Uh, <laughs> P, P. Sherman. Yeah, if exactly. I need, if I need a dentist, course, yeah. that's the only one. That's where I go. <laughs> that's the only one I go to. Exactly. Um, and, and there goes our one Australian listener. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, I, I tend to find that history also has the same pitfalls as um, a lot of pop culture. So geography and science tend to be very good places to go for, for international facts. 
um, that you can tie together. Or uh, sometimes what I'll do is I'll take a reference from British pop culture, a reference from American pop culture, and marry them together in some sort of amorphous blob of a question. <laughs> and then each side learns a bit about each other, you know. I, I think that that uh, learning stuff kind of falls into the interesting thing for me too. That's, mm. That is one thing that I go for. If, if I know that a question is not likely to... Uh, get a lot of correct answers at my trivia, then I do want it to be something that the teams go, oh, afterwards. Like, if they're not going to get it right, then I want them to go share that fact with other people the next day. Oh, I learned something at trivia the other night. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. They butcher the question, but they get the fact right. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I think that that's another uh, aspect too interesting. You know, uh, uh, repeatability or whatever well it's it's the same uh in in kind of trivia show as it is in tv and radio you want that water cooler moment where people are discussing it over the water cooler at the office the next day or whatever the modern equivalent is <laughs> um because uh, who knows uh in this day and age um so over yeah the, have... over the keurig machine in their own kitchen I I guess While zooming via via um face Skype or whatever it is. Yes. Um uh so yeah, it's it's having that interesting fact that can come up in conversation as well. Um that's kind of nice. Um you know something else that I do to keep a question interesting is I like to inject some humor into it. Um, it might not always be super relevant to the, the question itself. Um, but I find that if people laugh at a question, they're not going to care as much if they get it wrong. And uh, uh, again, this is where sometimes I differ from uh, other trivia, at least that I've seen where they, sometimes take themselves a little too seriously. But uh, what are your, your thoughts and opinions on humor at your shows? Oh, God. Um, humor is a difficult one. Uh, well, be that's because the British have a notoriously bad sense of humor, so we don't wow. expect them you, but... you just have um, dry questions one after another where you can't actually <laughs> tell if you're making a joke or not. Well, no, so... Uh, but this is kind of this is kind of what I mean. To be fair, is that humor humor can split the room. Um, like n n humor is something that is very subjective. I think is the word I'm looking for. Um, I always get objective and subjective mixed up, which is a <laughs> pain in the backside. Um, but uh, you know, it sounds like a sounds like a non funny person trying to make excuses as to why they're not funny. Oh, I'm funny, but mostly through self-deprecation. Like that is that is the British sense of humor is self-deprecation <laughs> through and through. One, Stiff um, upper lip. Two, five, put yourself down. Three. Uh, uh, mo most of my show revolves around lowering your expectations. Um, <laughs> the thing expectation. is, I'm not. The thing is, you think I'm joking? You're I, like I'm not wrong. Um, <laughs> 
so yeah humor i i tend to err on the side of caution with because it like if a joke goes bad it goes bad um yeah but then you get to make fun of that too yeah i suppose um it's it's just kind of the furthest i the furthest I've gone into injecting humor into a question is finding something that sounds a bit funny, like invented by butts or something like that. Um, uh, so it's, yeah, that's something I honestly have difficulty with is pitching humor because I'm not a stand up comedian. I have difficulty reading the room at the best of times. So I'm going to leave that to the professionals. Or, um, like, like Corey. Yeah. Maybe yeah. a tipster for you. Like to me, there's two types of, or there's kind of like a, there's two types of humor. One is taking a very straight, like taking a straightforward idea or context and adding a joke that like may or may not help, but it's more about the wording of the questions that's interesting. And the other one's mm. more about taking a humorous concept or situation and making that the basis of a question. Like, do you differentiate between like, avoiding humor in one form or another or do you like you could you could you could be very dry and deliver a funny situation and ask a very straightforward question right yeah that's still funny i i i do agree with the uh uh, kind of asking a question about a humorous situation um kind of i i i do do that again Fabio getting, getting hit in the face by a goose. Yeah, Fabio getting hit in the face by a goose. Sorry, Fabio, appear- that's, that's humorous to the general that's, public. That's definitely going to be appearing in episode one of season three. Um, <laughs> somewhere, probably. Um, but yeah, I, I that's, if anything, that's what I go for. But I don't, I don't naturally tend towards it. Okay. And what about you, Corey? Sorry. Do you do you make a distinction between the two? Uh, like, clarify again between uh, the two. Like, there's a straight fact presented humorously, and then there's a humorous okay, yeah. fact presented either straight or humorously. Yeah, no, I think there's definitely a, a difference. Um, you know, you can take something that's going to be just rote memorization and throw a little uh, glib joke in there to make it more interesting without actually uh adding anything to the question or without it being an inherently funny question mm-hmm. um and I, I think that that's a very valid way to keep people interested like um all right if these numbers aren't exactly right don't yeah. don't jump on me <laughs> this is all off the top of my head but you you could do something like uh one in five sexually active adults and uh, nearly 100% of many wild populations of koalas uh, both have what sexually transmitted disease, which makes me a, a little bit nervous about any overlap down in Australia. <laughs> you know, just a, a little a little dig there yeah. saying, ah, Australians are fucking koalas. <laughs> um you know the, that, luckily you have no little, australians at your game so it's all it's all right. okay <laughs> that little piece at the end of it it doesn't add anything to the 
the question. It doesn't um, make it more gettable or, or inherently more interesting, but it, it just injects a little more humor, uh, gets people to laugh because in reality, it's just pick an STD. Cause if, if you don't know it, then you're just picking a random disease, yeah. you know? Um, but it, it could still make it more interesting. So yeah, I, I'd say there's definitely a difference and I, I probably lean more towards the latter, uh, as opposed to, you know, finding somebody whose last name is Butt or whatever, uh, I make it interesting by just kind of joking about the boring stuff. So yeah, uh, Tipster, do you have any do you have any thoughts on on uh, what this sexually transmitted disease is? What, just out I, of curiosity. I, um, okay, yep. Yeah, uh, let's go with uh, syphilis. Why not? It is not syphilis. It's okay. actually chlamydia. Chlamydia. Uh, <laughs> so there you go. Uh, again, to tie it up with a nice little bow, not a super interesting thing, but uh, use a little humor to keep it going, to, to keep the mood uh, moving forward. So, But humor is not the only way to do that. You can also do it with nostalgia and feelings. Um, have you, do do any of you have any experience doing that? Asking about things that just kind of bring back that, that nostalgic feeling for people. Uh, for me, it's music is kind of the big one because it's just got that like hard wire between remembering a song and being like, oh yeah, I could sing along to it. I can remember the lyrics now from whenever I heard the song ages ago, uh, one and this is a simple short one that is kind of like what we talked about previously tipster but it's it's for fans of destiny's child but the question simply what time is it at the club when it's jumping jumping according to destiny's child oh my goodness <laughs> come on tipster you got this you know? step one tipster oh. is is to destiny's leave your child made it to Antarctica. yeah they, yeah i i i i and what kills me is it's like it's it's a perfectly reasonable time, you know, like, yeah, it's a good time I, for the club to be jumping, jumping. I mean, it's going to be late, right? It's going to be, but not gonna, too late because but not, not too late because that's just ridiculous. Gotta, right. Exactly. And I, 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 I uh... it's, if you guys want to save tipster. You can, you can, I mean, you might have to and child. the club is jumping, jumping. It's yeah. 1130. It's 1130. 1130. 1130. And in on paper to someone who's never heard a Destiny's Child song before in their life, okay, this is dumb. You either know it or you don't. And yeah, that's correct. You either know it or you don't. I mean, you could make a guess as to club hours, but yeah. <laughs> it's not for <laughs> those afternoon. people that it, it's, for those people yeah, it's, that do know the song. It's yeah, it's fun. It's for sure. you know? sometime after nine o'clock. There you, we go. You're not. You're not. Is it all time after nine o'clock? Anyway. Um, yeah, you're right. It's just, it's a simple question. You know, or you don't. By my previous rules, it's dumb and one level. But it's, to me, I call it fun because it it brought back people's memories of Destiny's Child, which is, uh, that, was a, that song came out a long time ago. Yeah, um, I, I'll do the same thing a lot with uh, decade-themed trivia. You know, like ask stuff like what magazine did every kid want to get their their clothes out of you know leading to the uh what toy fad blah blah blah, right like maybe they had one 
Yeah, you know, just to bring up things like the Koosh Ball or Cabbage Patch Kids oh, or Koosh Ball, you know, man. right? Koosh Ball. A what now? <laughs> well, uh, I'm not gonna overwhelm you with pictures in Discord right now, but I'll show you uh, some Koosh Balls after uh, what, after uh, we record. They were who, like those tips, like whose balls? Yeah, you just got to keep people on their toes. You, as long as they don't know what to expect. Or they, they're looking forward to what you might have next. If you get into a cadence that they can kind of predict, it, it, I think it get a little tedious. If you're just like doing nothing but asking, like, what does A have in common with B? Or, you know, like, if you got 10 of those questions, it can kind of... Wait, that's one. what those things are? Yeah, oh, yeah. those are called koosh balls. By the way, Tipster's looking at koosh balls. <laughs> if you're yeah. an international... Or I, if you do not know what a koosh ball is, it's based... What is in the middle? Is it a ball? I guess it's like a small rubber ball with a bunch of like little. I didn't know that's what yeah, they were called. Strands. But like, I get. I guess we have an generic versions, not the brand name Koosh. What, what would you call it though? I don't know. A a a a a a rubbery fluffy bally thing, I suppose. I don't know. I've never had to refer to it in conversation <laughs> before. Like it's it's one of those it's one of those things that you'd you'd get at like oh god now I've got to explain what a mop is. Yeah, Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, uh, think Chuck E. Cheese but outside. Um, uh, yeah. And a carnival fair, uh, you know. Okay. Yeah. What's that word? <laughs> That's the word I'm looking for. Did you say mop? M O P. That's yes. what you called it. Okay. Uh, so there there is there is something in the UK called a mop. Uh. A mop fair, we which have, is we have basically a, a carnival fair. Bring thing. a bucket and a carnival. <laughs> yeah, bring, bring a bucket okay. and a carnival, I suppose. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> moving on. The point being, yeah, you can you can take a boring rote memorization question, and you can still get away with them if it's if it sparks something in the players, whether <laughs> yeah. it's humor or nostalgia. Or hatred. I mean, you can bring up things that everybody fucking hates and people will still, you know, as long as they have a reaction to it, it's at least going to be interesting. Which kind of leads me into voice and style. I, I try to make my trivia a show. Like I said, it's it's not just asking like hard stuff. It's not Jeopardy. It's not, you know, who wants to be a millionaire. It's something that people go to for fun and i i try to make questions that contribute to the presentation that contribute to the show um where people are are listening to what i'm asking because of how i'm asking it and not just so they can answer it like, you don't Hopefully want to feel like an exam, sense. right? You don't want to feel like you're taking a test. You want it to feel exactly. Little... Yeah, yeah, it's not a pop quiz. It's a fun experience. Like, I'm not here to grill you about what you know. We're here to collectively reminisce about things and figure things out. Yeah. And that being said, I mean, because ideally we're we're hosting this this podcast to help other people become you know, great trivia hosts themselves. Hmm. 
And I, I'm not saying that's the only way to do it. There's a lot of great trivia out there that is just asking shit like, what is the atomic number of beryllium? Or what happens when you combine bismuth and nitrogen? I, I think like, there's I don't fucking some know, people but... who come to trivia expecting like a collegiate competition or who have exactly. backgrounds in kind of that collegiate competition, which is those rapid fire no to don't questions that's the whole intention of it yeah but, and um, those are okay it's just a matter of yeah. knowing if that's is that the crowd you're targeting is that crowd going to show up if so then go with it otherwise you know there's other things that you can try um i just don't want people to feel like i'm saying that, that this those is the don't end have a place all. in the trivia world yeah like those that is a totally valid style of trivia but all four um, of us have hosted independently of one another. Like we didn't affect any of us becoming hosts, but we've mm -hmm. all kind of come to everything we talked about. Like none of us have gone full on like, I'm doing nothing but asking him, but uh, sorry, none of us have gone. I'm just going to ask strictly academic know it or don't know it questions and make a competition every single week. Like none of us decided that. So like if we all naturally came to whatever we just talked about, Chances are most audiences are like that. And if you want to cultivate well, a niche, though, you can go for it. It's just... You know, yeah. actually, I think there might be a little bit of confirmation bias there. Yeah. Um, in okay. the sense that the the people who are just asking those, like, the, the more collegiate competition type questions, they're not naturally going to seek out other, you know, trivia writers and and work on like improving their style of of asking uh, in that sense because they're just finding facts and they are uh, rewording them into questions which again is okay um yeah it's it's one of those things where there definitely is a space for that and and very much so like um heck even we we see it even on TV so there's definitely space for it in um in uh, in kind of meat space and the the, the general kind of audience uh, general capacity but um uh, i think it's one of those things that is few and f further between uh in my opinion it's not something that is as popular but there's still definitely a demand for it i, I think it depends on the format right like yeah that that type of thing lends itself more towards um, hard paper or like a weekly email, you know, because you don't want to be reading long paragraphs uh, if for for like, you know, these long story questions in mm. in you know ten of those via email. If you're doing some a quick, you know, weekly or daily quiz you know that like that there's there's venues that are appropriate for each style of question and not to say that they're mutually exclusive you'll definitely pepper a few of those in here and there but getting just a like a whole round or a whole trivia two hours of those types of questions it, it feels like you're being interrogated versus um playing trivia playing trivia right not like yeah. forced yeah. <laughs> forced uh trivia being forced upon you 
And like, bring on, bring on the trivia interrogation machine. Yeah, you'll you'll see hosts be like, oh yeah, each round is fifteen questions. We do five rounds, and you're like, oh my gosh, like, and, and, it's in, and they they and wheel it's in. in they wheel in the black chair, and Magnus yeah. Magnuson is sitting there behind a desk. Yeah, and it's a ten minute event, and you just. <laughs> And yeah, it's just that rapid fire, like, do you know this? Do you know this? Do you know this? Do you know this? And I guess some people get off on that. Don't, I mean, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I mean, yeah. Like, you know, on the flip side though, I've, I've also seen, I personally, I, it's not enjoyable to me. There's other people though, that go to it for their own reasons. I've seen those shows where it'll be a, you know, a two hour show. But they'll literally ask fifteen questions in Are two they hours. Good questions, at least. <laughs> not always. Okay. You know, it'll it'll be like I'm I'm not saying that they aren't out there. Just I haven't experienced them. I have experienced shows where it's what is the capital of Germany, and there's fifteen questions in two hours, and they'll play like two or three complete songs between each question. For me, that's just people asking questions while you're eating and drinking. That's not trivia. But, you know, there's people that want that, too. They just want to answer one question every few minutes. Okay. (laughs) My my brain just went to a place of we have definitely gone the opposite route over here. I've never heard of anything like that over here. Um very much like yeah there's 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 places for small quick snappy shows um but uh not like over the course of two hours yeah okay i just got one more thing that i think we can close on it's it's we briefly briefly mentioned it but we talked like do you guys have players where you feel like they care more about getting a question right rather than the actual question itself like, do you oh, ever yeah. get a sense that like people are like, "Oh, I love this question," and you're like, "This is a dumb question. You just like it because you got it right." <laughs> oh yeah. And then, yeah, I've, I've definitely had both sides of that. Yeah. You know, it's like, um, would you just... have been happy with a "What's the capital of China?" and you got it, and they're happy, and it's like, is that really? Honestly, I think that's good? what a lot of people think of as trivia, though. Uh, yeah. When people think of trivia, they think. It's just all of those, you know it or you don't. And I think um, the reason all of us have been able to have a successful trivia night for many you know, years, um, many venues, many years, is because they come and play and they go, wait, this is different. Like, yes, this is trivia, but... Even if they can't put their finger on it, they know they like it and they are, they're having fun, A, which is the most important part, and having fun doing a thing that they might not have thought was fun before. Yeah. So, yeah, my, my general measure of a good trivia night is the feeling of the person who scored the least in the room. Oh, yeah. That's, 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 what I, that's how I judge a game. How, how does a person who... That's didn't a fun observation. Well, I like it. Who didn't do well in this game fail. Um, and because... I guess it's also the bad teams that keep coming back. Because yeah. you know why the good teams come back, right? They're good at it. They're trying to yeah. win. But the bad teams that come back, you're like, 
okay, well, <laughs> you're not going to win. And, and they're not largely. necessarily bad. It's just that their knowledge Sorry. might be in other areas. You know, it's, yes. it's they don't one of those score things. as high. Let's put yeah. it that way. Um, See, I just I bribe them. Whereas, <laughs> whereas the people, I, we do. We we give uh, either bags of airheads or oh. dum dums or boxes of ding dongs to the last place team. Does anyone when ever try to, to keep throw? Back? Does anyone ever try to th- throw trivia and be like, "Well, I'm not going to win today, and yes. might as well get the candy." Oh yeah, <laughs> I've I've had to institute rules about not intentionally losing as well. <laughs> really? So, yeah. Please start writing a, dicks for every single answer. Exactly. For a three dollar bag of of little suckers. Yep. Oh, no people will come out and they'll they'll drink fifty dollars worth of beer and play trivia for two hours. To win a three dollar bag of dum dums, it's but, it's a thing, man. I, I, people astound me. <laughs> yeah, I know they really do. <laughs> um, and yeah, there are those people who are like feel good about watching a number go up. Um, and regardless of of what you ask, they're going to come back. Um, and how you ask it, but as I said, I tend to measure based on the lowest scoring teams in the room and how they're feeling. That's it. I like that. And I already said it before, but I like it. How just, uh, because I think that is a really interesting um, point. How do you talk to those people? Um, I know you're on Twitch, but do you, do you, do you have, do you have venues to talk to them afterwards or are they, is it in chat? Like how, how do you get a gauge for that? So uh, multiple avenues. Uh, I always have a feedback form open. Like I admit that I am fairly new to this and everything is very like open to changing and everything is a testing ground right now. Um, Discord um, uh, and just kind of general chatting in Twitch, the general kind of feeling. And, you know, you get a good idea. If they come back, they probably like it. You know, <laughs> like... Hopefully yeah, they're not coming usually, back if they hate that's usually it. A otherwise, pretty good indicator. <laughs> otherwise, you know, um, uh, I mean, uh, I'm not going to yuck on your yum if you like to go to trivia that you don't like every week. You're not going to do free. what in my what? That British not, slang man, I can't keep track of it. I'm, I'm not going to yuck right. on your yum. I'm not even going to try okay. to translate that. Yuckle in your yum doesn't sound y- very wholesome. Yuck, y- y- yackled on your yum. Sorry, what? what? Is there a British Urban Dictionary? Like, uh, so, oh, I'm not burp? going to yuck on your yum means that I'm not going to... Oh, yuck on your yum. Okay. Yes. I heard it different. Okay. Yeah, I heard yuckle. <laughs> I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to y- add yuck in your yum into um, the keyword challenge along with whatever word... <laughs> Fabio. Uh, uh, Fabio, yes, before. Uh, but speaking of uh, the keyword challenge, why don't we um, head to that section of the podcast? Corey, tell us how it all works. Uh, we have a keyword that was submitted to us by a listener. Um, this particular listener actually may have been a guest recently. Uh, they're definitely a, a Trivia Writers Co-op member. Can't remember if they were on the show recently or not. I'll have to double check. But uh, they've submitted a keyword for us, and we are going to take 10 minutes to write the best question we can think of around that keyword. Uh, The only requirement being that the keyword has to be used in either the question or the answer. 
and it has to be used as it's presented. Uh, so for example, if the keyword were something like submarine, you wouldn't use sub or sub sandwich. You would have to use submarine, uh, but you could go submariner as a single word. Uh, yeah, and that's it. That's what we're doing. So are you ready to hear the keyword? Hit us. All right. From Jacob Hine in Louisville, Kentucky. In Kentucky, is it Louisville or Louisville? Louisville. 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 Coming from Jacob Hine in Louisville, Kentucky. <laughs> Harpsichord. 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 Like the musical instrument. Yes. Okay. okay. The harpsichord. So we've got 10 minutes to write our best harpsichord question. Good luck. Hey everyone, Jason here. While the host and I step away to think about our keyword challenge, we just wanted to remind you that you can check us out online at Quadrivia Pod on Twitter, on Facebook, just search for Quadrivia Podcast, and you can always email us at quadriviapod at gmail.com. We're always happy to hear from you. And now, back to the show. And we're back. Uh, gentlemen, are we uh, all satisfied with our questions? As much as we yeah, can be. Yeah, it's a little bit different from what I usually do, but I'm feeling all right with it. That's the thing with uh, trivia writing, is, is I will write until, like, as much time as is allotted to me, I will go all the way to the end. It's kind of like... Uh, when my wife is getting ready to go out, like if I give her, if we have 30 minutes, she can get ready in 30 minutes. Like she will be ready to go look fabulous. If I give her an hour, she'll take a whole hour. If I give her 90 minutes, you know, so that's like that with trivia. If I have 10 minutes, all right, I guess I'll end. So but you like, say I could, you're still writing your question is what you're telling us. <laughs> I am satisfied for now. But had, had I had five more minutes, I would have tooled around with it for five more minutes. I am 100% the same way. I feel you entirely on that. Yes. So okay. um, with that like caveat, said, would you like to go? Yeah, uh, I guess I am yeah. yeah, first. Let's have you go first so you don't just keep adding to it. <laughs> uh, Hold on, one more sentence, one more sentence. All right. <laughs> just, just a couple uh, more seconds, yeah. Just, yeah, just a couple more seconds. I need more context, more story. Um, all right, so let's see. Here's um, the the keyword challenge this week was a harpsichord. Uh, thank you, Hein, or Hein Solo, as, as we know you here at the Trivia Co-op. Um, my question goes like this. In the Beatles song, In My Life, there is a 20-second instrumental solo that John Lennon wanted to sound, quote, something like Bach. For the part, they recorded a piano at half speed and then sped it up to mimic the sound of what instrument widely used in Renaissance and Baroque music. Now, I might, depending on how I felt, might give a uh, musical reference along with the question at my live show. Um, and if you want to, that's at uh, a minute 27 into the song. Uh, for copyright reasons, we can't play it here. But uh, if you guys wanted to hear what it sounds like, a minute 27. So uh, that's my question, with or without. I will the... say, 
yeah, for me, I am 100% on the answer. Um, it was really given away by uh, including the, that it was the widely keyword? used in Baroque music. Uh, so I'm going to lock in. I, I don't want to hear what the rest of them have to say. I'm going to lock in at uh, tambourine. Oh, yeah, that, that epic 20-second tambourine solo. I believe that's Don't Fear the Reaper. Uh, by Blue Oyster Cult, you're you're thinking mm. about not Beatles. No, in I, my think, life. I think I think I thought was that was Cowbell. Cowbell. Yeah, I thought they actually sped up Yoko Ono's voice, <laughs> which is a baroque instrument. Yes, yeah. Yoko Ono's voice. Never, never <laughs> yes. would I see the day where I thought I was about to say the Beatles need more Cowbell. Um, <laughs> so yes, of course, yeah. keyword challenge uh, is the answer. Um, but that is the harpsichord. So, um, yeah, that's that's my question. So they sped up a piano to make it sound like a harpsichord. They recorded it at half speed oh, half and speed. then sped it up. And then oh. so the, the, the tonal change that that um, created made it sound like a harpsichord. It almost seems easier to actually pretty a harpsichord. True. Hmm. Yeah, but then you have to learn how to play the harpsichord. Is it not like the piano? Uh, I assume it's plucking as opposed to. No, it's it's playing. a keyed instrument. It's a key it that key? triggers a pluck, which oh. is weird. But yeah, I I really like this. I think it's actually a really good example of what we were talking about earlier in the episode. In that you've made the question more interesting by adding stuff that doesn't necessarily help you get the answer. Like I can, I can picture the song in my life and I can picture that solo, but it's not just like hearing, even if I played that song for myself and hear the solo, that's not going to help me say harpsichord. Um, but it does give me more knowledge about the question. It's more of a narrative. And uh, so I think it's a solid question. Thank you. Well, right. I guess I have to follow you up, Oliver. I'll go next. Uh, my question goes, what musical instrument provides a brittle and thus spooky sounding alternative to a piano, thus favored by Lurch from the Adams Family, as well as Hannibal in the novels by Thomas Harris? Oh, uh, Now this one I know is not the tambourine, uh, and I'm leaning towards castanets. Oh. Maybe? Are those the little finger things? <laughs> I like your ability to pull very funny instruments. <laughs> Without resorting to like didgeridoo, which is a very cliche. Like uh, funny yeah, instrument. They are, you, those they are, are the cool. finger things, but they're not the metal ones. They're like the, yeah, the, the wooden, wooden ones. The wooden Backwards. finger yeah. clackers. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I like it. Like the wood, thumb to wood. index finger, not the ones that you hand to hand. Yeah. Tipster, do you know what the instrument? What? Uh, castanets. What, are we talking about castanets? <laughs> What's the answer to my question, Tipster? Oh, oh, um, uh, harpsichords? Yes, it's harpsichords. Okay. <laughs> All right, well done. And I think we, we have this, it's hard to write a question where the answer is harpsichord without saying the word piano, because if you take it away, everyone's just going to turn in piano. Or like, if you try to get people well, to like, think of the music, right? If you were like, what musical instrument appears in the Beatles song, Blah? I, I think it They'll would be one of those questions where you would have to include things like, you know, a Baroque instrument that, uh, et cetera. Like you'd include things that would um, 
rule out the piano so that if people do say it, you can be like, oh, that's yeah. a close guess, but unfortunately you're wrong. Um, but yeah. Like, yeah, did it, you know in the Adams family, the theme, the da 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 da, that's a harpsichord. I did not. Is it? That. Oh my goodness. You just assumed it was a piano, right? Like, I just. No, I thought it was a keyboard. I thought it was a hurdy gurdy. God damn it. Okay, I'm excited for what uh, strange instrument you're going to pull out for Tipster next. Or, sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Oh. Shit. Well. I mean, I can go next if you want. Or for yourself, depending on who wants to go first. I guess I I think think I'm up next. I got this. You got this. All right. Uh, the harpsichord dates back to the early 1400s. It's an instrument with strings that are plucked, often resulting in sounds similar to a lute. Despite the beautiful sound of the Baroque, use of the instrument essentially died off by the year 1800. Even if it hadn't been replaced by much larger instruments like the piano, you probably wouldn't see many students taking them to and from band practice at school. Why not? Be- They're so not portable? They're gigantic? Exactly. Oh, is that the answer? <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I think I my exact wording for the answer was uh, it's still pretty fucking big. Oh, <laughs> I get it now. So you're basically um, like, haha, it's a string instrument, but it's a piano. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm making uh, for people who don't know exactly what a harpsichord is. They, like if they know, then they'll immediately get it. But anyone who doesn't know what a harpsichord is, by saying it's an instrument with oh. strings that are plucked. Um, it sounds similar to a lute. I'm hoping to nudge those people towards more like a regular harp or something else uh, and uh, just see what they come up with if, and then have it just kind of a, an open-ended, it's still a big fucking instrument, just not as big as a piano, you know? Yeah, I think we, we having just done <laughs> 10 minutes of research about the harpsichord, the memory oh, yeah, of no, yeah. what it looks like is fresh in our head. So of course, that's why I was like, because it's big. <laughs> but yeah, yeah but, I, yes. I didn't write it for you. Okay. What? <laughs> I like the idea of making people think a harpsichord is basically a harp, even though it's not. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what I was going for. It was just a, a misdirection, honestly. Yeah, that works. Okay. And that brings us to now, Tipster. And now yeah. I'm excited for your... Are you? Okay. <laughs> um, so, based on the life of British author Quentin Crisp and featuring a minor key rendition of God Save the Queen and a harpsichord of all things, An Englishman in New York was written and performed by what musician, whose stage name comes from the black and yellow hoodie they used to wear? So I don't get to guess an instrument? You don't get to guess an instrument. Uh, no. Uh, Would I also get to hear this in, this artist playing a sack butt? Is that, is, that, is that a word for bagpipe? No. What is no it's this? more like a, like a what, trombone. What is or this? like a trumpet. What is, this? what is a sack butt? I, I'm not gonna. Li- I'm not gonna have sack butt in my Google search history. So you guys, <laughs> you guys can do that for me. Funny I mean, thing, I've got it now. That that's just a trombone, dude. No, that's that's called a sack butt. Yeah, it it, it is a a. It's an extra long trombone. Is basically what it is. <laughs> Anyways, uh, your actual answer, your actual question. 
Um, funny thing is, I know this answer because the person or similar was the keyword challenge when I was on last. Oh, uh, so <laughs> we covered uh, this song um, <laughs> as as part of yeah. one of the keywords. Uh, yeah. Uh, does this person when he plays an instrument? Does he does he uh, play a different note with every breath he takes? <laughs> yes, yes, they do, and every move they make. Well, thank you for confirming that for me. I was I was pretty confident with the black and yellow hoodie and the uh, "God Save the Queen" rendition, but um, yeah, now I I think we're all on the same note and kind of locked in on. The correct answer it's it's Wiz khalifa right black and yellow yeah yeah right. it's, it's Wiz khalifa black yeah and yellow black and yellow <laughs> yeah or um or sam sparrow black and gold you know there's there's multiple different ways you could go with this it's um, actually the entirety of the pittsburgh steelers Cardi oh. B. yeah oh yeah. <laughs> sting it yeah. is sting yes it's sting i didn't have another joke so i'm glad you said it finally <laughs> we got there eventually because i was running out of artists and jokes um yeah uh i didn't realize that we had sting as a previous keyword um, uh it was wow. stinger Ages. sting no sting was the keyword yes and so um people use it as like frodo's sword um oh. or i used it as um a sting in like a musical cue like a but yeah, a sting, a sting. Um, and then one person did the sting pain index uh, with bug bites, and uh, then I I made the joke yeah. that the sting because he he was like, oh, it's you know the killer hornet, and then uh, number fire one is like sense. the fire ant, and then the bullet ant, and then I made the joke that uh, the sting pain index was uh, fields of gold, Englishman in New York, and then sh- uh, shape of my heart. <laughs> That's amazing. I like that. Which is still my favorite joke on the podcast today. But Corey cut it into the end where nobody listens. Yeah. Go back and listen. I did not do that. It's at the end of an episode. You have to listen to them all. In case you guys didn't know, after the ending credits end, there is a little outtake at the end of every episode, a humorous outtake. So uh, make sure you stay past the, uh, what, Pearl Jam is it? Porn music. No, it's as Jason. It's actually uh, the the porn music is the middle for our, uh, our um, gotcha. social media. It's actually a, a band called Limbo Lads. Sorry, Limbo oh, Lads. That I my didn't uh, porn music. No, that's a, it's it's actually my uncle. It's my uncle's band. They're from like the nineties. They haven't uh, played in a long time, but uh, yeah. So you're, you're giving them all, all our royalties. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, if yeah, you want they're, to... They're getting cut a pretty fat check every week. Do we still have the old uh, questions on the website, or do they cycle out? Oh, yeah. Nope, they are all on there. If so, you go to... If you want to look at our old Sting questions, you can visit our website at quadriviapodcast.com. But if you want to just vote on which of these uh, various harpsichord questions you like the most, you can also do that at quadriviapodcast.com. You can still vote on old ones. Yep. Okay. Uh, I haven't so. turned off. I haven't turned off any voting yet. I think uh, probably at the one year mark, 
I will do that. And then, like, but, but then, like, we'll make it um, shorter each day. Like, maybe going forward, it'll be, you know, one month each or something. But I figure as people are still discovering the show, fuck it. Let them go back and, sure. and still uh, vote on all of them. Okay. Corey, are, are you still stuffing the ballots? Or <laughs> You know what? I actually haven't even looked at the results on any of them since our live show. So I have oh. no idea how badly I'm beating Jason right now. <laughs> um, but I assume it's still quite white marked. <laughs> but I, I do like that. I mean, Harpsichord wasn't the easiest thing to write around. There's not yeah. a lot of oh, in I had to. Yeah. I had to get like the wrench out and lever that word into this question so hard um, yeah, because yeah. it's like, what songs have a harpsichord in? That that was pretty much my first go-to, um, and apparently there's one in Englishman in New York, so <laughs> let's do that. Um, and speaking of harpsichord, if you want to submit your own. Uh, keyword for the keyword challenge you can do so by dropping us an email at quadriviapod at gmail.com that's quadriviapod at gmail.com and we have uh, as usual a game prepped and I believe this week Calvin you've got something lined up for us yes I do so on the topic of making interesting questions we briefly mentioned about like kind of uh, word association that people who play a lot of trivia do how the, if they hear a particular keyword they immediately think of things that will be the answer and they tend to just ignore the rest of the question so what i have for you i have 10 questions all mixed uh, for different categories where they're questions where there is a keyword that would get you towards a very good guess as to what the hidden is, but I try my hardest to tiptoe around them. So it's basically questions that avoid the landmine of giving away the answer with just one word. So I'll ask you these 10 questions one by one, and you collectively try your hardest to figure out what the answer might be. And I think the pattern for most of your answers is going to be, oh, he's talking about blank, right? Oh yeah, he's talking about that. Well, in that case, it's blah. So we'll... You will okay. simultaneously get the answer and the word that I'm trying to avoid that would kind of give it away. Hmm. Okay, let's check it out. I, had, I, need, I need an example. Number one. Yes. Okay. Um, let's start off with our first question. So your very first question goes, what fictional character's design and appearance is based on a prototype of a 1913 vehicle designated as, designated as an 060T E2 class? He also has some friends called Edward, Henry, and Gordon. I I, I have ideas. Does anybody so, else have ideas? And once I again, you think of like, what is the word I'm trying to avoid? And assuming that I had used the word that I'm trying to avoid, what would the answer be? I know. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I, I've got it. Um, yeah. I was going to say, I know exactly what an 060T is. You're not supposed I... to know what that is. <laughs> no one is supposed to really? know what an 060T E2 is. Okay. Well, uh, I had a grandfather. Maybe this will this will help the <laughs> others. My grandfather uh, worked for the railroad, and mm -hmm. trains are oh my, my favorite gosh. thing in the world. Are you um, kidding me, Corey? And I've also done like some hobby photography of like old steam engines and stuff. So... Oh. My God, I okay. I 
I'm pretty yeah. sure after no, hearing that, <laughs> I, I know where we're going with this. Um, Tipster, you want to give it to us? Uh, it's Thomas the Tank Engine. Correct. <laughs> it is Thomas the Tank Engine. And Corey, you might be the only person who would have gotten that question solely from the designation. The designation is more like tongue-in-cheek. You're not supposed <laughs> was, to know it. Right? Yeah, that that got me like that was the first thing i know like as you were saying it you said 0602 or 060t and i said that's a train and <laughs> then but for some reason the the question wasn't connecting for me until as i was saying oh well i know what this is then the names of the friends uh clicked in and i went well obviously there it is like if i said is based on a train it's a little, yeah, that would have given it away. Yeah, because I, I originally I was um, thinking car, and I was thinking Model T, and I was going into cars originally. So yeah, basically the uh, the numbers just really quick. The numbers represent the wheels. Okay. Um, it, it's the uh, leading wheels, driving wheels, and trailing wheels. So an 060 has no leading or trailing wheels and six driving wheels. Oh, oh that's interesting. All-wheel drive train. <laughs> there yeah. you go, exactly. Yeah. It's actually four-wheel drive. You take that baby anywhere. Yeah. As long as, as it's is. on a track. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I, don't, I don't know exactly what the, the T represents or if that's just a specific model. But mm. it generally, the when you see, anytime you see like a, a steam engine or something, uh, it'll be like a 232 or an 060 or whatever. Um, and yeah, it's talking about the wheels. Oh, Tipster learned about Fabio today, and I learned about Corey's hobby or small passion. Cool. Didn't expect that. But let's move on to the second one. Uh, your second question goes... A Pashtun girl named Sharbat Gula appeared on the June 1985 cover of what magazine? This one's... Going is is like Pavlovian. <laughs> well, I I, I avoided the keyword though, right? Right. Like, no, I, I used I, a yeah. different word, but of course, they just uh, didn't they have her on the same magazine, like a current day picture of her. It was like, like maybe a few years ago. Yeah, I think it was like five years ago. Did they? Maybe a little like, less. There's there's two there's two or three options that are springing to mind, but like I I don't have a. Uh, any way of kind of lowering the field what uh, about the question are you curious about what would you like to know more about what passion means to be fair that's, yeah that's that's oh, completely that's completely the part valid. where he's talking around yeah the thing yeah. right okay yeah exactly Corey, um, any idea uh i know it Okay. Yes. Oh right. Okay. So I I can basically speak openly here. It's yeah. it's it's gonna be something like time or Nat Geo or something like that. What are you imagining on the cover? Um, no, that's Malala. Yeah, she's recent too. Eighty five. Yeah. How about this, Corey or Oliver? Do you want to tell him where the Pashtun? people live or at least one of the countries in which they live or where they're from i'd actually be guessing on that one i only know because i know the answer okay but yeah. um i i 
shit, I'll just say it, and if I'm yeah. wrong, you can correct me. Yeah. That's, it's Afghanistan, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah. She's from Afghanistan. Okay, that actually doesn't narrow it down for me. Oh, okay. Um, because... Well, so, and her, her, I guess, nickname, or what most people call her, is Afghan Girl. Yeah, the Afghan Girl. If that helps you at all. Known as. That still doesn't okay. narrow it down. Well, I'm sure Corey will link the picture, but... Uh, Corey, would you just most... like to tell yeah, us? Yeah, sure. Distinguish the picture and. Uh... Oh, yeah. yeah, I was just gonna say the mo- her her very distinctive eyes. I think were oh beautiful. Uh, are... Yeah. I have seen that, but you if you take any solace, you I... did not name a fashion magazine, which is good, and you yeah, did no, name that... the correct answer at one point. Tips okay, are... so it's one of two. <laughs> it is uh, National Geographic. Okay. Oh. Huh. So yeah, now then, once again, if I said Afghanistan anywhere in the question, Americans yeah. at least would probably know that. Yeah. So now you learn. I mean, to be fair, it is called National Geographic, not International Geographic. So. <laughs> Dear yeah. editor. Yeah, the thing is I tend because all the issues of National Geographic that I've seen don't tend to have people on the front. Mm. That's yeah. why I was leaning more towards time, to be fair. She's one of the most more famous people on the covers of Geo. Mm. Yeah. Um, cool. I, I don't want to derail the conversation here, <sighs> but I did. <laughs> Somebody's got to fill Jason's shoes, right? Um, I will throw these pictures in onto our website uh, when this episode goes live, so Y'all will be able to see who and what we're talking about. And I also uh, put a picture of a steam engine that I took a picture of. And I'll share that. Okay. It's an old uh, two, six, number two. three then. Uh, your number three is in, goes like this. What musical draws inspiration from the real life Ms. Leon Owens, a teacher from England who in 1870 wrote a memoir of her time teaching abroad? Oh my goodness. That name is ringing a bell. I... And I, I've got no idea why. I've got the most random guess, and I'm... What information do you think I'm... positive that it's not. Oh! Tipster. Uh, you oh, seem so I confident. Think... Say it. Is it... Is it the king and I? I left off where she went, because she went to see him. Yes, it is the ah, king okay. and I. Is it Siam or Siam? Siam, sorry. Siam. Siam. Uh, Modern day Thailand. Yeah. You, by now, all of you should know I'm not very good at pronouncing things. <laughs> That's okay. We still like you. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. So, yeah, the king and I, I left off Siam. Yeah. Siamese. Had you said Siamese. Siam, it would have been instantaneous, exactly. but. Exactly. Yeah. Or even Thailand, it would have been. Uh, so, yeah, just making it a little bit more vague, but I locked it in with Leon Owens. I hope there's not another musical about her. Uh, let's move on to your next question. Uh, it goes like this. In a 1999 comedy movie, actor John Cho introduced the world to what term used to describe the character played by Jennifer Coolidge? Uh, Jennifer Coolidge would make another appearance as a hairdresser in Legally Blonde. Did When did you write these? Uh, over the years. I think this one's I, from like two years ago, a year ago. There is a show on Netflix right now called like the history of swear words or some shit like that. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And this, 
Oh. Yes. Yeah. It's hosted by Nicolas Cage. And uh, this huh. specific word is brought up in, I think it was the, the first episode, first or second episode, <laughs> uh, which I literally just watched yesterday. Yeah. I, uh, so that's, obviously that's fucking I hilarious. omitted the movie in favor of the actor because Harold himself, I did not realize was the person who introduced us to this term. And I thought that was fun. Yep. Well, Tipster, there's... any idea? Uh, well, I I know who John Cho is, mm-hmm. and so, yeah. tiny uh, little uh, yeah, no, uh, we're talking background. about we're talking about Harold and Kumar here, aren't we? Well, John Cho's well, he's only he's only one of them. Ooh, ooh, no, no, no. So this movie is not Harold and Kumar. This movie came out before Harold and Kumar, in yes. which John oh, Cho okay. had a small acting role, in which he stared at a painting at a house party. Or was it photo? Was it painting or a photo? I think it was a painting. Was it super, not sure. was it I, super bad? No. No, super bad was not oh, 99. Yeah. No. Um, it had... You have to say what movie it was, Corey. <laughs> was it I mean, American I, Pie? It's American is, it, is it MILF? It is. It's oh. MILF. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, John oh. oh, the uh, American Pie movies, duh. Yeah. yeah. So if I said what like if I said what term came from American Pie, it would have been a little. I feel like that's what people would have known. So I was like, okay, we'll flip it. We'll be like John Cho, and put it in a year before Harold and Kumar, and then maybe mm. people will recognize Jennifer Coolidge because they know what she looks like in Legally Blonde because she didn't have that big role in American Pie. Uh, and like, I'll give you a couple ins to get to American Pie, and then it's about putting that together. But I didn't realize that yeah. they did that recently. So. No, that's cool. fine. Yeah, Not, that's I, don't, I think it just came out like last week and I don't think that many people watched it. But I like that you gave, because I was like, I don't know who Jennifer Coolidge is. And I, frankly, I don't remember Legally Blonde at all, but I know that my trivia goers would know exactly who that is from Legally Blonde. Um, She's the Bend and the Snap bend lady. And snap. <laughs> bend and Snap. Okay. Exactly. All right. Give us another one. I'm liking this. So next up, we're going to go to something more academic or less milfy. Uh, it goes, <laughs> the beaches of Playa Hiron and Playa Larga along the Coleta Buena Inlet are landmarks of what larger area you probably wouldn't want to have been there in April of 1961. All right. So what okay. happened in 1961? I'm about 70% oh. on this one. I Yeah, I'm, I'm like... 60 to 70 percent on uh, i am probably 80 no <laughs> uh, well, um let's just say what country <laughs> let's start with country yeah yeah then, okay yeah I, you can probably I, go from there is it a country that has a sandwich named after it <laughs> oh okay what's the answer guys i think we gave the audience long enough is it cuba <laughs> Cuba. That's yes. what I. That's what I was leaning towards. Yeah, the country is Cuba, the and Bay therefore, pigs, right? This is the yes. Bay of Pigs. The Bay of Pigs. Okay. Yeah. Oh, these are Playa means beach. So these are the various beaches that they tried to land on in the Bay of Pigs event. Oh, the Pig, okay. Bay of Pigs invasion. And as you guys can figure out by now, if I had said the word Cuba, a little too word association-y, right? Right. Like, yeah. Event that took place in Cuba. It's either the missile crisis or the Bay of Pigs. So 
Okay, uh, next up, we're going to go with another question with words that aren't in English. Uh, Al-Kaba is Arabic for what shape? You might see something with this shape at the Al-Masjid Al-Haram, which is visited by 5 million people a year. I'm immediately uh, leaning towards... Apologies to everyone who speaks Arabic. I, you know I can't pronounce it. I try my yeah, best. Tipster, like do you two, accept his apology? Two possibilities. I, what? <laughs> <laughs> You're, Sorry about yeah. Can I can I ask you a, a clarification question? Um, just to to rule out one of the possibilities yeah. for me, it, it's not like an architectural shape. It's right? it is a shape. I mean, that, like not like a you would um, see in a math book. Okay, <laughs> yeah. So you not a shape like the White House, correct? Or, a geometric you know, okay. shape, if you will. Then I I think I I know this one. I. I have an idea on this one, but it's purely based on the word. Yeah, go ahead, Tips. Actually, Tips, yeah, tell me, what do you think it is? Is it a cube? Yes, it is a cube. And what made you think of a cube? Uh, or... Kabar sounds close to cube, and that's about it. Oh, really? You're going solely from the language? Oh, yeah. yeah. Nice. Oh, interesting. Well, he got there. Yeah, that's true. What about but, yeah, Corey it's... and Oliver? Uh, so for me, it was the five million people a year had yeah. just had me thinking like Mecca, yeah, or a very very popular tourist destination, and since it wasn't you know not going to be like Taj Mahal or something, then I went religious with it. Yeah, it is indeed the cube in Mecca, the black cube. I think it's cool. isn't it a mosque or something? It's called or like it's something. in it's in the mosque. Yeah, yeah. It's called something very similar. It's called the Kaaba. Huh. So I think in Arabic, it's called the cube. <laughs> they literally call it the cube. That's why. <laughs> well done, tipster. So, yeah. Uh, uh, good job. You got it. So, yeah, I didn't expect people to get it from the shape, but there you go. Uh, I got a little American-specific question, but I think I think tipster might be able to have a shot at getting it. Okay. Uh, there have been 73 U.S. battleships commissioned by the U.S. Navy, each one following a certain naming convention with some repeats. What is the only battleship whose name is one syllable long? Hmm. Okay, so it's not going to be numbers because... What are some famous U.S. battleships that you can name? States. Yeah, they're like... Or president? No, presidents states. are Air Force carriers. You gotta go yeah. back to World War II when yeah, battleships so are like big. Arizona, and you know the USS Arizona, mm -hmm. right? So, Missouri, uh, yeah, Mo so, Missouri. So yeah. the only one who's one syllable long. Okay. Now, you have, now we have to go through the states. Yeah. It's also, <laughs> it's also a somewhat famous battleship. Okay. Um, my, my, uh, no, I that's that's I two syllables. It. That's um, one syllable. Yeah, no, my brain is j just going for all the states. <laughs> um, northeast. Yes. Okay. Top. Okay, right. So top left. Spanish American. Uh, top right. right. Top right. Oh wait, yeah, top right. <laughs> the most top right. This is yeah. <laughs> the the most top right. I mean. Do you do you want to keep on guessing U.S. states, Tipster, or do you? Uh, I'm gonna kick myself. Just give it to yeah, me. Yeah, it's fine. Is it the, Maine? Uh, USS, yeah. The USS oh! Maine, which was blown up 
and was um, supposed to be the the catalyst for the Spanish-American War. And the U.S. Oh. said that the Spanish blew it up. The Spanish said they didn't, but we went to war with them anyway. Yeah, I didn't know that all U.S. battleships um, had states and, and names. This was this was that's news to fine. Me. But this is just a cleverly disguised question of what U.S. state has one syllable. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's just an S. It's just putting more fluff on top of that and letting you get to that point. Which is, it's fun. This this is something that will keep your teams talking for that full minute or however many that you use. Even if they can figure out its states, a lot of them are just going to go start going through They're the They're going to start battling through them, yeah. Yeah. See, I I almost misdirected myself because I was, I was going through states and I couldn't think of any states that were one syllable. So then I started thinking, was there one battleship that wasn't named oh. after a state? I wouldn't do anything place? that dastardly. <laughs> but but then I remembered Maine and I it it settled. <laughs> okay. Uh okay. Oh I didn't realize you're gonna be on the show, Tipster. So I have a it's, bunch of very American fine. questions. <laughs> Don't worry. Uh, Story of his life. Yeah, no. I'll think about you next time. In 2019, Texas lawmakers passed a bill to make April 16th an official holiday honoring what Texan musician. It has unofficially been around since 1995 following the death of said musician. Okay, so it's a musician who died in 1995. And was from Texas. And was from Texas. Um, April 16th doesn't help. That's it's So... so April 16th is not relevant to the person. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's either no, it's... a birth. I think it's a birthday, but it's you're not going to know it from the birthday, right? Like it's Okay. Flavor. Um for what it's worth, tipster. I I'm I'm feeling like 95% on this and if I'm right, this one would be more of a international question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're misleading him. <laughs> am I? Am I? Am I wrong? Well, I mean, I mean, you're correct, and it's slightly international. Right? No, Cash was. I was still just trying to make him feel better about not being American, is all. Um, I mean, this musician was born in Texas. This person was a American citizen. So okay, musician Texas died in '95. Um. I'm I'm not gonna get this. I don't think. Yeah, uh, uh, I don't think get murdered. This, this musician was... was actually, uh, as sad to say, a murdered in 1995. Oh, oh, is it? No, that that still doesn't. Do, do they have a? Um, I wrote this before it came out. Show? Yes. Okay. Yes. This person has. I just recently. Yeah. So I left out two things that people associate with this musician, and I think. I'm still justified in omitting it, but okay. Yeah, uh, Corey, um, what's I your? Think I think it's fair. What, what's if, your guess, uh, Tipster? If 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 you get it, you might do a bitty bitty bomb bomb <laughs> celebration dance. A what now? Uh, yes. That's yeah, exactly uh, Selena. It's Selena. Selena Quintanilla Perez. So, uh, it. Goes without saying that uh, most trivia that I've seen basically makes a big deal about how she's like Latin American or Hispanic. They always call her Tejano because they want to make it clear that uh, 
she, I don't know. That's the type she, of music she popularized, Tejano yeah, music. Yeah, but mm. she's from Texas. So I think people just get, assume Texas is like country music and white dude cowboys and Dolly Parton's. Even yeah, that's Texas. kind of where I was going, yeah. to be which, fair. Which I don't blame you. But like, you know, people like people forget that Tejano means Texas. They're not yeah. two mm. separate entities. They're one and the same. Um, I actually used Yolanda Saldivar in a round. Uh, I did a round where I, I gave a name and they had to guess, was that the name of a celebrity that was killed? A celebrity that has <laughs> killed somebody oh, or yeah. somebody who killed a celebrity? Jesus, Jesus. what a morbid round. It was, wow. It was well, killer, we got celebrity, some celebrity killer, morbid or celebrity killer. Stuff coming up with our next question. It's a Ooh, Sir Han right, question. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, this one actually tipster you might have it, it it's I'm, less I'm... american okay uh during the crimean war what british individual is credited with dropping the death rate at the scutari hospital from 42 percent to two percent this was accomplished by implementing basic hygiene and sanitation such as washing your hands i know this oh you know this okay 100 percent. okay a nurse what yeah. yes exactly and that's the that's the uh, word associating game, right? If you say yeah. nurse, if you said famous nurses, oh, what would yeah. everyone say? <laughs> My <Okay>. wife. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> My wife is a nurse. Oh, <laughs> but she, she's not famous. Oh, I thought I thought you. Were t- <laughs> uh, oh, you thought I, I thought was you calling were... Florence Nightingale my wife. I don't know. I, I thought I thought you were. I thought you were. You were Borat voice. My wife. My wife. Florence uh, Nightingale. Um, uh, yeah, it's Florence Nightingale, and I'm sick of trivia questions where they're like, "What famous nurse?" It's like, "Come on, guys." You could stop the question is right what there. Did it you for like, me. Right? Yeah. What famous nurse? You yeah. could just add end it. Any like, question, like context, you want? It's not going to change anything. Like maybe is Clara Barton. Was she a nurse? Or did uh, she just... You mean the, the like, founder of the Red uh, Flag or whatever? I think so. Yeah, whatever. Like, you know, like, there's two, I guess, but still. Yeah. Well, three. I think, um, isn't Mary Seacole as well? Um, uh, similar time period, actually. Um, and uh, um, kind of British Jamaican born. Cool. I will jot that down. Good to know. And I have one last one for you. What scientist won a Nobel Prize in 1904 for his research about gastric and pancreatic secretions during digestion? However, everyone remembers him for his test subjects. Uh, that's a, almost the DTQ here, all things considered, almost. and I almost. love it. Almost. The man won a Nobel Prize. Just due to our context. He's probably oh. so oh. annoyed. <laughs> oh, this is so meta. Yeah. I like that. I like that Tipster, a lot. Tipster, would you like to tell us who this Nobel Prize winning scientist is? Is it Pavlov and their dog? Correct. So Ivan Pavlov, was in, he did psychology, but he wasn't really a psychologist. He was a proper like digestive scientist. And he was trying to, you know, like research secretions of his test subjects were his dogs and he would have to feed them. He noticed something and that's what he's famous for. So yeah, man won a Nobel Prize. Don't uh, don't he 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 did other shit. <laughs> he didn't you know, just feed dogs. <laughs> with with all due respect to to all of the other guests and hosts we've had on this this show, yeah, I think this is honestly 
probably the most fun round that I've uh, of the ones that I've been on. I think I enjoyed this the most. I really, really like this round. Thanks. Yeah, it gives you I just, something I, to I like think the whole about concept to talk it. about. Yeah, yeah, and you you can see how I try to tiptoe around, or you could see what the uh, online trivia PDF question would look like, right? Like these mm-hmm. can all yeah. boil down super easy into a what is a blah, right? Like you can yeah. see yes. the see how these are all extrapolations of a very basic concept and yeah. trying to get people. If to- you if you go to Google and you Google trivia questions, probably at least half of these would show up in the first page or two yeah. of results. Or and, reword like but, the subject. But not as, exactly. It would just the be, answers are as basic as anything else. You yeah. know, like there's nothing you, like I think Selena's a little tough, but yeah. other than that, like all the answers are, I think everyone would have heard of what a cube is. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully? Yeah. Yeah, you'd be surprised though. But, uh, yeah. I mean, fair. But in the fact that we were able to work a lot of these out that way, yeah, it, it was solid. There you go. So yeah, so those are those are a little taste of how I try to add layers and avoid um, giving too much away. You know, just make a little unbasic. Yeah, this is a great example of what I was talking about before, where ninety-five percent of the teams might get the answer right because, like you said, they're all very famous obvious topics but the way you ask the question uh, leads the teams on on a sort of goose chase a, a little breadcrumb trail to get you to that obvious answer so i really like that well shit that was a a good uh good way to end the episode i think we just got a, a few things left and then we fuck off until next time yeah um Calvin, since you had such a great round, why don't you start us off? Tell us a little bit more about yourself and uh, say goodbye to the people. Uh, Yeah, if you like those questions and you want to hear more, I can't promise they're all as good as that. Sometimes they're really weird. But you can find me online at footnotetrivia.com. And you can I host a weekly Zoom game that you can sign up for on my website. Yes, and uh, you can find me over at uh, on, on Twitch T- uh, twitch.pinnaclelarder.com will take you straight there um, you can also find me at facebook.pinnaclelarder.com but basically just put the thing in front of pinnaclelarder.com and you'll probably get there um, my name is Oliver uh, you can find me at speakeasytrivia.com or um, I have an Instagram that I do occasionally post things on at speakeasytrivia um, and I also run my game on Zoom, so you can sign up um, weekly uh, via the website. And I am Corey with Third Degree Entertainment. Find me on Facebook at Third Degree Entertainment or go to twitch.tv slash Third Degree Entertainment. Uh, you can usually find me there Monday nights around 7.30 p.m. Pacific uh, or occasionally throughout the week just doing random shit. You can also find all of us at quadriviapodcast.com. Uh, it's where you can view the uh, the round that was played every week. Uh, sometimes I'll include like pictures or other things that we talked about during the episode. Uh, and again, I will be putting those out for this week's episode. 
Uh, you can email us at quadriviapod at gmail.com uh, to provide category suggestions, keyword challenge suggestions, uh, whatever it is that you want to provide us with. Just put that in the subject of your email so it gets sorted accordingly. And you can reach out to us on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. We're not super active on any of those, although hopefully we will be uh, getting our shit together and reaching out and trying to be more interactive with y'all on social media. So check us out on there. Uh, also, something new. We, we'd like to try something a little bit new here. If you want to get some feedback on your writing, send us an email at quadriviapod at gmail.com with a question that you wrote and uh, maybe we will read that question on air talk about it uh, offer some constructive criticism tell you things that we liked what we didn't like uh, how we might change it up or just tell you that it's perfect as is and hopefully we can help improve uh, your writing and our helpfulness at the same time so other than that got very little left for you Anybody have a uh, famous last word? The thought of global warming makes my wood shrink. <laughs> All right. Oh! Yeah. Oh! Okay, is that where we're going with today's episode then? <laughs>